0: Yes, you're listening to Life 101, where we live in faith every day. This is Line Upon Line, where we study God's Word line by line. And I'm your host, Pastor Adrian. 28 verses 9 and 10 says whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine and then he answers them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts for precept must be upon precept precept upon precept line upon line here a little and there a little If you're serious about your walk with God, and you want to understand true doctrine, it's time to get your Bible and follow along as we study God's Word. It's time to be weaned from the milk. Get your Bible, tell a friend, tell your pastor about this study, and let's get into God's Word, line upon line.
1: After that, the return of Christ. We praise you, Lord God, and we thank you. We ask your blessing on our study, your blessing on our understanding, and that you would deepen our faith in your Word. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So we are up to Isaiah chapter 52. And uh, it's a short chapter. What I want to do before I go to Isaiah chapter two, 52 is set it up uh, with Lamentations. And that's a book that we don't go to very often. But now that we're in the depth of Isaiah, uh, the whole set of prophecies of Jeremiah uh, and the book of Lamentations become very clear that Isaiah was prophesying what would happen in the future to Judah and Jeremiah lived in it. He lived during the Babylonian siege and then he personifies Jerusalem's uh, outcry uh, with Lamentations. So I would really recommend if you could, uh, just as kind of homework assignment, read the whole book of Lamentations. It's not that big, but I think you'll find having gone through Isaiah, it'll just really make sense to you. But I just want to call out a few verses out of uh, Lamentations chapter one and and, uh, two, before we go into uh, chapter 52 of Isaiah. Here in chapter one, he says, how does the city sit solitary? This, This is dumbfounding. How does the city sit solitary? That was full of people. How is she become as a widow? How did this happen? It's like from one day to the next, you, you could never, for, nobody could foresee what was going to happen to Jerusalem. It just looked like she was just set forever. And yet she sits solitary and she has become a widow. She that was great among the nations. And you know, when in Solomon's time, people came from all over the world to the city of Jerusalem to see the splendor. She that was great among the nations and princess among the provinces how is she become tributary and that that is really you know to say if someone is uh, tributary is really to speak of forced labor uh, how did she become enslaved how, how, how is it that the princess among the provinces has become captive and become a slave not only that uh, the prophet goes on to say she weeps sore there there is great anguish here She weeps sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. So she had all these alliances, and everyone has forsaken her. Everyone has ditched her. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies." And we are certainly seeing that now coming out of the uh, period of the Holocaust. There was great sympathy for Judah. And in the last five years or so, as the world turns towards sympathizing with Islam, uh, we're seeing a growing anti Semitism to the point where Jews are having to flee European countries uh, just because the, the anti Semitism is so great. And even in North America, certainly in the uh, educational institutions, there is great empathy and sympathy for the Palestinians and uh, resentment towards Judah and even uh, accusations. Uh, Judah is occupying Israel and has no right to be there. And so all of these allies that Judah has today, the prophecies predict, as it happened before, that they will all turn their back on her and she'll be left alone. In fact, he goes on to say, they have become her enemies. So going from allies and helping her, they turn their back on her and not just turn their back on her, actually become her enemies. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction. So something has happened and she's gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwells among the heathen. So the heathen have gotten the upper hand. They now have uh, force, they now have authority, what, the, what their, their perception of reality becomes truth, and she is just subjugated. She dwells among the heathen, she finds no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits or in the narrow places. So she, she was persecuted. Uh, we know that Jerusalem is gonna be surrounded by armies, and now she's been overtaken her adversaries are the chief so they have the upper hand her enemies prosper for the lord now why do they prosper why why do the adversaries have the upper hand over judah he explains for the lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions and this is really important because when we go to isaiah when we look at the suffering servant jews deny that the suffering servant is Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They believe very strongly that the servant in Isaiah is always the whole nation. And I think as we've been reading it, it's very clear that clearly Jacob is the chosen servant of God. And so Judah specifically is the servant of God, but the whole son, all the tribes of Jacob have been chosen by God and Isaiah makes that clear but he also makes it clear that they are treacherous. And as a result of their treachery, God has sent this servant to successfully redeem them. And the reason the Jews deny this is there's, there's a self-righteousness about them. They believe that they are here to, to save the Gentile nations, that they'll have, they read all the positive aspects of the prophecies in Isaiah about Judah, but they don't read the negative aspects. And when we read the negative aspects, it becomes clear that Judah cannot save herself, that Judah is treacherous, and Judah needs a savior. And certainly when we combine Isaiah with Jeremiah, with Lamentations, with Malachi, with with Zechariah, with the other prophets, it tells one story. And that story is, actually Isaiah opened up with it, that God has raised children, he has brought up children, and they've turned against him, and they've completely betrayed him. And yet, because he's of his faithfulness to his covenant, he's going to find a way to redeem them. And so very clearly here, we can see Jerusalem is subjugated, not because she's righteous and, and, and her, her, her um, persecution, her slaughter is somehow going to save the nations. It's because she is treacherous. It says here, her adversaries are the chief, her enemies prosper, for the Lord, has, the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. And that affliction is very specific. It's according to what we read in Deuteronomy, that they entered into a covenant, they broke the covenant, the Lord is faithful to his word, he's going to carry out exactly and precisely what is in the covenant. So the en- her enemies prosper because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone into captivity, before the enemy so the enemy is is coming to take her captive and that that's just a a reality that that God is the one that's doing this why because it's exactly what he said would happen if they were unfaithful to the covenant so he says here um, the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions her children are gone into captivity before the enemy jerusalem has grievously sinned so so to all our jewish brothers and sisters who want to deny that jesus christ is the suffering servant please read this scripture your scriptures this is coming out of your bible that jerusalem has grievously sinned how can jerusalem be the savior how can jerusalem be the suffering servant when she is so filthy according to your own bible she needs a savior jerusalem has grievously sinned therefore she is removed and we just go back to deuteronomy and we read the law we read the covenant we read the terms and conditions and god is totally righteous god is completely faithful what makes god god is his faithfulness to his word he has magnified his word even above his own name jerusalem has grievously sinned therefore she's removed all that, and that's exactly what God said would, do, would happen, that they'd be removed from the land if they were unrighteous. All that honored her and be scattered to the four corners of the earth. All that honored her, despise her. So, so something has, has terribly changed and we see it setting up today. We see this anti-Semitism growing all around the world. All that honored her, despise her because they have seen her nakedness this 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 is the reality they have seen her nakedness yes she sighs and turns backward her filthiness is in her skirts she remembers not her last end therefore she came down wonderfully she had no comforter O lord behold my affliction for the enemy has magnified himself so jerusalem is going down the enemy is coming up this is the lord's doing verse 15 the lord has trodden underfoot all my mighty men in the midst of me so we know jerusalem is going to be surrounded by armies and all her mighty men are going to be trodden underfoot he has called an assembly against me to crush my young men this this is god's doing and this is what we want our jewish brothers and sisters to read their scriptures and see that their self-righteousness is ill-advised that they are not righteous, they are wicked. And they have departed from God and we are calling them to repentance. He says, he has called an assembly against me to crush my young men. This is the future of Jerusalem. The Lord has trodden the virgin, the daughter of Judah, as in a winepress. For these things I weep, my eye, my eye runs down with water. For these things I weep. My eye runs down with water because the comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. God hides himself from Jacob. He hides himself from Judah. She's all alone. The comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. Zion spreads forth her hands and there is none To comfort her the lord has commanded concerning jacob that his adversaries should be round about him and we know that when jesus christ was on earth and he was in jerusalem and he was in this great confrontation matthew 23 uh, before the great prophecy in matthew 24 he was in this confrontation with the scribes and the pharisees and he says you know how often i would have gathered your children but you wouldn't have it and he says behold Your house is left to you desolate. And then he goes on to predict that Jerusalem will be surrounded by armies and that they will not see him again until they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's what's being set up here. They're gonna be in such horrific circumstances that they will finally acknowledge him whom they've pierced. The Lord has commanded This is, he's commanded this, this must happen. This is the righteousness of God. As much as it pains him, and he says, "I, I would have gathered your children together, I would have protected them. As much as it pains him, because he is God, and he keeps his word, and it's impossible for him to lie, he has to carry this out. And so the Lord has commanded concerning Jacob, and notice it's concerning Jacob, it's not just Judah, it's all the whole house of Jacob, all the tribes of Jacob. The Lord has commanded concerning Jacob that his adversaries should be round about him. They will be surrounded. Jerusalem is as a menstruous woman among them. In other words, they see Jerusalem as filthy. They see Jerusalem as unclean. They have their own definition of righteousness, and they're imposing that definition of righteousness on Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is is considered uh, unbelieving. Jerusalem is considered evil. Jerusalem is considered wicked by them and there's no regard for her whatsoever so they can go in and just just treat her with uh, enormous disrespect notice what Jeremiah says the Lord is righteous there is this understanding that the prophet has that as much as the Lord is commanding this desolation on Jerusalem he's doing so in his righteousness the Lord is righteous For I, that is Jerusalem, have rebelled against his commandment. He understands. And this is what we need our Jewish brothers and sisters to understand. They have rebelled. They have broken the covenant. Let's open up the covenant and let's read the terms and conditions and see where uh, Judah, uh, really Jacob, has repeatedly broken the terms and conditions. And even God divorced the northern tribes and the southern tribes saw what god did they saw how wicked the northern tribes were they saw how god divorced them and then their evil was worse but because of god's faithfulness to abraham he did not divorce them but he's setting up a way now to redeem them the lord is righteous for i have rebelled against his commandment here i pray you all people and behold my sorrow my virgins and my young men are gone into captivity so this is unfortunately Uh, the near term future that Jerusalem is facing my virgins and my young men have gone into captivity behold O Lord I am in distress my bowels are troubled my heart is turned within me for I have grievously rebelled and so there's a a real um, righteous acknowledgement of the sin here and this is what we need all Judah this is the, the whole plan of God is to drive Judah to this point of true wholehearted repentance so that they can receive the Holy Spirit and finally be the servants that he has in mind for them for I have rebelled abroad the sword bereaves at home there is death so there they've been taken captive wherever they are they're being hunted down they're being beheaded uh, at home they're being killed Lamentations 2 the Lord has swallowed up all the habitations of Jacob. So this is not just Jerusalem. And certainly, you know, when he says here, um, uh, abroad, the sword bereaves at home, there is death. Home obviously being uh, Jerusalem. And and when we look at uh, how Jerusalem is surrounded. So this is the Lord's doing. It's been building up over time. And Jerusalem is surrounded by terrorist organizations that hate her. So these armies are going to surround her, they're going to move in. The only reason in fact that she survives the way she does today is this alliance that she has with America. And once, once America goes down, she is vulnerable. And so you just look at how she is surrounded by these enemies. And so uh, she loses the upper hand She loses all respect, and unfortunately, that means slaughter for Israel. So he goes on to say here, He says, I grievously rebelled against the Lord. Uh, Abroad the sword bereaves, at home there is death. The Lord has swallowed up all the habitations of Jacob. And I think we, we we should be aware of who the Judeo-Christian nations are. These are the habitations of Jacob. They have also been treacherous. The Lord has swallowed up all the habitations of Jacob. So Daniel tells us that the tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble. So this upper hand that Jacob and Judah have enjoyed, it's over. The Lord is bringing them down. The Lord is going to punish them. The Lord has swallowed up all the habitations of Jacob and has not pitied. Why? Because of the covenant. The Lord is righteous because of the covenant. He has thrown down in his wrath the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought them down to the ground. He has polluted the kingdom and the princes thereof. And this is, we need our Jewish brethren to read Isaiah with Jeremiah. To read Isaiah with lamentations and so there's no wiggle room now you can't say that Judah is righteous and that Judah is the suffering servant it's impossible Judah needs a Messiah Judah is not the Messiah Judah needs a Messiah he says here God has brought them down to the ground he has polluted the kingdom and the princes thereof he has cut off in his fierce anger all the horn of Israel so again, not just, not just uh, Judah, and, and there is a, there, we have to have this focus on Jerusalem. That's where God's mind is. But he says he has cut off in his fierce anger all the horn of Israel. And we just have to look around the world today and see which nations are more civilized, which nations have, are rooted in a Judeo-Christian ethic, and, and which nations are more uh, given over to paganism and have really no knowledge of uh, or no foundation that's Judeo-Christian. And so here, he has cut off in his fierce anger all the horn of Israel. He has drawn back his right hand Mm -hmm. from before the enemy. Mm -hmm. He has burned against Jacob like a flaming fire, Mm -hmm. which devours round about. So again, Jerusalem is going to be surrounded by armies, but not just Jerusalem, it's Jacob. The whole house of jacob like a flaming fire the lord was as an enemy he has swallowed up israel he has swallowed up all her palaces he has destroyed his strongholds and has increased in the daughter of judah mourning and lamentation and so all of this is happening because of god's righteousness and what we see in isaiah the relief that's coming from isaiah is again because of God's righteousness and all of this was predicted and we've read this a few times before but we'll read it again because it's so foundational that Moses foresaw all of this Moses says in Deuteronomy 30 after reading the law and the Covenant to Israel before they inherit the promised land he says and it shall come to pass when all these things have come upon you the blessing and the curse so Moses could see that they would receive the blessing that Jerusalem would be this uh, splendid power among the nations, but he could also see that they were going to be unfaithful and that they would be scattered according to the covenant. So Moses understood the punishment. It's not gonna be random. You know, it's not gonna be according to the Quran where it says that God turned them into apes and pigs because they broke the Sabbath. This is random, it's arbitrary. God is not arbitrary. God is very precise. And so Moses could foresee the punishment that was going to come upon them because he he had the law in front of him. He says, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you shall call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you. So this is where Jeremiah is now uh, bewailing, personifying the, the anguish of, of Jerusalem. And he's saying, uh, you know, we're, we're hunted down, we're bereaved by the sword abroad, and there's only death at home. Well, this is, this is the fulfillment of what Moses prophesied. You shall call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and you shall return to the Lord your God. So this is a very intense uh, spanking that these chosen people of god are receiving why in order to turn them to their god in order for them to acknowledge that they have betrayed him and you shall return unto the lord your god so moses could see this that god would not forsake them he would punish them yes but he wouldn't forsake them you shall return unto the lord your god and shall obey his voice according to all that i command you this day so moses is really foreseeing the new covenant he's seeing that these people would receive the holy spirit and that holy spirit would enable them to do all the commandments so you shall obey his voice according to all that i command you this day you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul so not only is he seeing the new covenant and seeing uh, the people of israel filled with the holy spirit and loving God authentically, truly, wholeheartedly, he's also foreseeing the second resurrection. What we see in Ezekiel 37, because he's saying, you, you people that I'm talking to now, and your children, but these people are going to die. But they and their children will serve God with all their heart and with all their soul, which can only mean they're going to be resurrected and the Holy Spirit is going to be put in them that then the Lord your God will turn or end your captivity. So he could see that they're gonna be taken captive, but then God is gonna end the captivity and have compassion on you and will return, and notice this, and gather you from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. It's not an arbitrary punishment. It's very specific you cannot stay in the land if you are unholy you will be exiled you'll be scattered you'll be taken captive but then because of god's commitment to abraham you will be gathered and brought back <clears throat> nevertheless oh so sorry let me now go to jeremiah before we get to uh, isaiah so there's going to be this uh, lamentation it's according to deuteronomy But here in in Jeremiah, in 5.18, listen to what the prophet says. Nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, I will not make a full end with you. This is exactly what Moses was talking about. That you're going to be scattered. You're going to be punished. You're going to be cursed. But you will still exist. That as much as the enemies hate you, they will not be able to destroy you. Why? because God will not make a full end of you because he has this commitment to Abraham which he is going to fulfill through you so you're going to have to come to this place of repentance so uh, Jeremiah sees what Moses saw nevertheless in those days says the Lord I will not not make a full end with you and it shall come to pass when you shall say why does the Lord our God Do all these things unto us. Then shall you answer them, like as you have forsaken me and serve strange gods in your land, so shall you serve strangers in a land that isn't yours. Very specific, not arbitrary. You took it upon yourself to serve strange gods in the Holy Land. Okay, according to the covenant, you will now be taken captive and you will serve strangers in a land that's not yours, even though you had everything going for you. So they're wondering, why why are we suffering like this? This is why. He says, Jeremiah Jeremiah goes on to say, declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah. These are our marching orders. We have to be declaring these truths. We, We have to be clear on the truth ourselves. Study the word, be a a workman that can study the word and show ourselves approved, that we understand the scriptures, understand the prophecies. And then when we understand them, we need to declare the truth of these prophecies in the house of Jacob. So that means we need to know where is the house of Jacob. And not only the house of Jacob, we need to publish it in Judah. So we, we have a very specific ministry to Judah. And we need to figure this out. And, and clearly the internet is a great way of doing this, but we have to look at every door that God opens and make sure that we are declaring these truths about God's people to God's people in the house of Jacob and in Judah, saying, hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, this, this is, uh, you know, God's truth is not always pleasant it's always true it's not always pleasant and so there's a message here that these people are foolish and they have no understanding they think they're sophisticated but they're actually very foolish and they have no understanding which have eyes and see not which have ears and hear not exactly what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 6 exactly what Christ quoted when he was in his ministry here on earth. And now here it is. Jeremiah is saying, tell them they lack understanding. Things are happening right in front of them and they have no clue what's happening. They're hearing things and they have no understanding. We need to confront them and tell them this. Now, Jeremiah says on behalf of God, fear you not me, Don't you fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence? And they, they don't. They don't, they say, they scoff. It's quite remarkable. But God is saying, Will you not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree, that it cannot pass it. So it doesn't matter how powerful the water is, it's bound by the sand. And God did that, and it can never pass the boundary. He says, he, he, he has placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree, so it's forever, that it cannot pass it. And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. They, they, they just they cannot get the upper hand over the sand of the seashore, no matter how powerful these waves are. And God's saying, I did that. Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it. This is the God that we're dealing with. It's the creator of the universe. But this people has a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord our God that gives rain, both the former and the latter, in its season. He reserves unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. So they just have no fear of God no understanding and they don't, they don't have an acknowledgement of God in their heart and so we have to confront them bring these truths to them bring this understanding to them and ultimately get them to turn we know from Moses' prophecy and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi and Zechariah uh, and Christ that eventually and the Apostle John eventually they will turn they will see and acknowledge him whom they've pierced But somebody has to be preaching the good news to them. Now, we covered chapter 51 last week. This week we're going to begin in uh, 52. But just want to pick up a couple of verses from last week. Because of the sense of urgency. In Isaiah 51, verse 9, we see this. Awake, awake. So this awake, awake. There's a sense of urgency. Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. So, this is the first awake, awake, that the arm of the Lord must put on strength. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generous days of old. Are you not it that cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Okay, so that's the first awake, awake. The arm of the Lord must put on strength. Then in verse 17, awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem. So, because the arm of the Lord has put on strength, now Jerusalem can stand up. And we see that in Zechariah 12. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which has drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. So again, to our Jewish brethren, how can Jerusalem be the Savior when God is punishing her so severely because of her wickedness? She needs a Savior stand now she can stand up because the arm of the lord has strengthened awake awake stand up O jerusalem which has drunk at the hand of the lord the cup of his fury she had to drink this you have drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung them out this this you know, Isaiah is very poetic, and I wish that I could do this in Hebrew. I'm sure it's you know the po the poetry is lost in English, but we do get a sense of it here. But also the intensity. This this is going to be really horrific, horrific for Jerusalem, and she has to drink the cup of his fury, and she's going to drink the dregs of the cup and wring them out. Now, the third awake, awake begins chapter 52 so first the arm of the Lord must put on strength then awake awake Jerusalem must now stand up and now awake awake again the sense of urgency and again because the situation is so horrific uh, you can understand how urgent the situation is awake awake put on your strength O Zion put on your beautiful garments Oh, Jerusalem the holy city so the enemies the adversaries have surrounded Jerusalem they have no regard regardless of their rhetoric they really hate Jerusalem because Satan hates Jerusalem and they go in and they just it's it's uh, desolate it's the abomination of desolation they completely make it desolate and set up their abomination there but they have no regard for it and the city is left empty <clears throat> it's just completely waste and now Zion is to put on her strength and her beautiful garments. God has not forgotten Jerusalem. And that's why when, uh, after Matthew 23, the scathing rebuke of of Jerusalem, that God begins Matthew 24 saying, don't be deceived. That it's going to look like I've forsaken Jerusalem. And people are going to be talking about my return in a way that it sounds like I have no regard for Jerusalem. But when I return, I'm returning for Jerusalem. So don't be deceived. Don't, don't let anybody deceive you about my coming. That it's gonna be clear to you because there's gonna be signs in the heavens and I'm coming to redeem Jerusalem. So put on strength, arm of the, Lord, uh, the arm of the Lord. Uh, stand up, Jerusalem. And now put on your strength, O Zion, and put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For from now on, excuse me, there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. So we're going to have a future where the uncircumcised and the unclean are going to be running roughshod over Jerusalem. They're going to take over the city. But God is going to stop it and it will never, ever happen again. In fact, here in Revelation 21, he says, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever works abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So, what we can see from this is those that are going to be in Jerusalem are going to be those that work abomination and they make a lie. And again, we just have to look at how, how Jerusalem is surrounded. Just, just look at that map. And we see how Jerusalem is surrounded by those that believe in lying and those that make abomination. And God is saying, this will never happen again. <clears throat> this is it. It'll never happen again. So here in Revelation, he's telling us that from this, the implication is that those that work abomination and those that make a lie it will be in there, but it's not gonna happen again. And that's what Isaiah is saying here, that they shall no more come into you, the uncircumcised and the unclean. And in fact, Zechariah says the same thing. In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. The whole city is gonna be a paragon of holiness and everything in the city will be holy. And the bells on the horses of the horses will be holiness unto the Lord and the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar so everything is for sacred worship yes every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts so we go from this abomination of desolation uh, Jerusalem being desolate to it being rebuilt and restored and glorified and all they, that sacrifice shall come and take of them and seethe therein. So there seems like there will be sacrifices there. And in that day, there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord. So the Palestinians are saying, hey, we are Canaanites. This is our land. Israel is occupying the land. And so they are admitting that they are Canaanites. And God is saying Canaan, Canaan was cursed. And God took the land from him because of his perversity and the perversion of the Canaanites, and he gave that land to Abraham through covenant and to his seed forever. And so the Canaanites are now fighting back to say this is our land, and they take it over, and God is saying, No more. They're they're gonna be rooted out. And they shall be no more there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Isaiah fifty two, verse two shake yourself from the dust arise and sit down o jerusalem loose yourself from the bands off your neck o captive daughter of zion so so we we go from this situation of horrific captivity uh, that is just unprecedented and now she's told to loose herself from the bands off your neck o captive daughter of zion for thus says the lord you have sold yourselves for nothing and you shall be redeemed without money. So a very strange situation where if people sold themselves into slavery, uh, they did so for money, that, hey, I'll I'll sell myself into slavery, I'll work for you for five years, I'll pay off all my debt, and then I can be free. Uh, Or or somebody is selling someone else for money. But these people have sold themselves into slavery for nothing. It's their transgression that has sold them into slavery. And yet God says... Although you've sold yourself for nothing, you will be redeemed without money. So God is going to redeem them, not for money. For thus says the Lord God, My people went down before into Egypt to sojourn there. And then he switches and he says, The Assyrian oppressed them without cause. So what we see here is there was the first exodus from Egypt. There's going to be a second exodus from the Assyrians. The Assyrian oppressed them without cause. And he says here, without cause. And the reason we know it's without cause is what we read earlier in Isaiah, in in chapter 41, when God says to the pagan nations, produce your cause. What what is the reason for all of this? Let's hear it. Produce your cause, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons or bring forth your strongest arguments, says the king of Jacob. He's the king of Jacob, and he wants to hear what are these strong arguments. Let them bring forth and show us what shall happen. Let them show the former things, what they be, that we may consider them, and know the latter end of them. So God is saying, look, if you are doing all of this in righteousness, if you are doing this because you, your God authorizes you to do this, then let's test how real your God is can he tell us what's going to happen in the future because if he can't then he's a false god and your authorization for this brutality there is none and that makes you really wicked and so let's let's hear what you have to say about your authorization for this brutality and we want to know the latter and or declare us things to come Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that you are gods. So you come and you, you're serving this God that you claim authorizes you to do all of this wickedness. Okay. Prove that, it's, that that you really do have God behind you. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that you are gods. Yes, do good or do evil, that we may be dismayed and behold it together. So tell us what's going to happen and then we'll look and it should just happen without any human intervention it just it's just gonna happen because you're a god and wow precisely exactly as you said i don't think so there's only one god that can do that and that's yahweh the god of the bible he says behold you are of nothing so god is not expecting any strong argument here he says bring your strongest argument And let's see how your God can predict the future so we know that you really are serving a true God. You're nothing. And your work is nothing. And abomination is he that chooses you. And many, many, many are choosing an abomination. And we need to be clear that we're not choosing this. We're choosing the God of the Bible. Isaiah 52. Now therefore, what have I here? Says the Lord that my people are taken away for nothing they that rule over them make them to howl says the lord and my name continually every day is blasphemed so god's name is blasphemed by the heathen and in fact paul quotes this passage in isaiah 52 in romans 2. in romans 2:23, 23 says you that make your boast of the law through breaking the law dishonors you dishonors you're dishonoring God you dishonor God for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written so he's referring back to Isaiah saying because of your behavior because of your treachery you're causing God's name to be blasphemed exactly what Isaiah says so Isaiah says Now, therefore, what have I here, says the Lord, that my people are taken away for nothing? Again, because of their treachery, because of their wickedness. They that rule over them make them to howl, says the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. So, because Israel forsook God, they found themselves in this situation where their God is mocked. How could how could your God... In fact, Allahu Akbar literally means Allah is greater. Greater than who? Greater than Yahweh. So every time Muslims are subjugating Judah and crying out, Allahu Akbar, this is blasphemy. Yahweh's name is being blasphemed. What's his name? Isaiah tells us. He says, therefore my people shall know my name they will know my name therefore they shall know in that day that I am he that does speak behold it is I implication being they don't know now they have no idea who God is he came to them but they denied him and and he says in terms of blaspheming his name in in chapter 37 whom have you reproached and blasphemed and against whom have you exalted your voice and lifted up your eyes on high, speaking to the pagan nations, even against the Holy One of Israel. So when you blaspheme the name of Israel, you're blaspheming God's name because he is the Holy One of Israel. And he is the Holy One of Israel forever. In chapter 41, he says, Fear not, you worm Jacob, and you men of Israel, I will help you says the Lord and your Redeemer the Holy One of Israel that's who he is the Holy One of Israel in chapter 43 3 he says for I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel this this is the name that is being blasphemed because Israel has allowed herself to be in this subjugated position so the name is being blasphemed he says I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia, and Sheba for you. In verse 14, thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. In verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. In 47.4, as for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. And we could go on and on and on. It's throughout Isaiah, it's throughout Jeremiah. Back to Isaiah 52 and this is really our theme for this whole study uh, coming from this verse how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings and i think we just read over that that it's upon the mountains so yes the feet of him that brings good tidings are beautiful and these are the same feet that were pierced the same feet that the jews allowed to be pierced these feet are beautiful They were up and down the mountains of israel bringing this good news to israel that publishes peace and it's so it's so beautiful because of the warfare it's so beautiful because of the slaughter because of the subjugation because of the 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 angst that this is relief from all of that publishing peace that brings good tidings of good this is the gospel this is the good news the gospel according to isaiah that publishes salvation. This salvation, this saving, is all about God saving His people. That says unto Zion, Your God reigns. This is the answer to Allahu Akbar. This is the answer to all those armies that are going to be going into Jerusalem saying Allah is greater. No, He's not. He's fictitious. God reigns. Yahweh reigns now the mountains matter that how beautiful upon the mountains let's just spend a bit of time talking about the mountains in deuteronomy 11 verse 11 god says or moses writes but the land where you go to possess it is a land full of mountains that that word is mountains it's a land full of mountains and valleys and drinks water from the reign of heaven. So they were in Egypt and they had irrigation systems there. And so the water came from the river Nile. But here, this land that they were going into, God himself would water the land. And the water would come down from the mountains and there'd be valleys to, to catch the water. And, and so the, it's very specific. This is important. It's important because we have to have our geography right. That a lot of people are very uh, North America centric in in their in their uh, christianity in fact if you look at some of the ancient uh, older commentaries it was very British centric and and in fact you know the new Jerusalem was Britain and then it became very American centric and all the American Christians are very focused on America but the Bible is a book about the Middle East and it's about a specific piece of real estate and here are the characteristics of this real estate it's a land full of hills and valleys full of mountains that, that, that word in, in Hebrew uh, actually harim is uh, mountains and drinks water of the rain of heaven this land this specific land is a land which the Lord your God cares for for the eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it God loves this piece of real estate this land from the river Nile to Euphrates he loves this piece of real estate The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year even unto the end. So this land has mountains. And Jesus Christ was walking up and down on this land, publishing good news. And the controversy is on this piece of real estate. And we see that controversy, and we've read this before, but we'll just read it again in Ezekiel 34. He says, verse 13, And I will bring them out from the people, And gather them from the country so again we just see this theme over and over and over God is going to gather his elect from the four corners of the earth and gather them from the from the countries and will bring them to their own land where is that land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel so we can't be confused God is very specific about which piece of real estate he's talking about it's this land that has that has mountains and valleys and he's going to feed he's going to gather them and bring them and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited inhabited places of the country i will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel so the gospel the the jesus christ was up and down on these mountains publishing peace publishing good news of salvation and god is saying now he's going to gather his people and he's going to feed them on these mountains of Israel so so we shouldn't be confused about where, where is all where is the focus of God's attention upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be there shall they lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel so where will they feed upon the mountains of Israel moreover the word of the Lord came unto me saying son of man Set your face against Mount Seir. This is Esau. And today these are Muslim nations. Set your face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it. And say unto it, Thus says the Lord, Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against you, and I will stretch out my hand against you, and I will make you most desolate. So Mount Seir is going to make Jerusalem desolate. And now, according to Moses, the punishment, the curses that come upon God's people, He's going to take those curses and turn them on His enemy, and so He said on on their enemies, and so that's what's happening here. God says, "I'm against you." Even when you look at Malachi, how the book of Malachi opens, where Israel is questioning God's love for them, and and God says, "I've loved you, but I've hated Esau. So how how have you loved us? Well, I, I I'm in a covenant with you." But Esau despised that covenant, and I've despised Esau. And Esau says, "I will, we, will, we are impoverished, but we will rebuild. And God says, no, you won't. You'll never rebuild. And you'll be known as the border of wickedness forever. I am against you, and I will stretch out my hand against you, and I will make you most desolate. I will lay your cities waste. So that's exactly what Moses said, they, they, what the enemies do to you, God will do to your enemies. I will lay your cities waste and you shall be desolate and you shall know that I am the Lord that's the end of Allahu Akbar that Allah is greater no you will know that Yahweh is the Lord because you have had a perpetual hatred this is something that goes all the way back to Esau and Ishmael it's a perpetual hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword so here we have these nations that are that are beheading judah and israel with the force of the sword in the time of their calamity in the time that their iniquity had an end therefore as i live god is swearing this says the lord god i will prepare you unto blood and blood shall pursue you since you have not hated blood even blood shall pursue you so this is a very bloody people they love blood blood is shedding everywhere and god is saying okay if you love blood blood is going to pursue you thus will i make mount seir most desolate and cut off from it him that passes out and him that returns so everybody that is uh involved here with uh mount seir god is saying he's going to cut them off and I don't think it takes much imagination to try to think, of, you know who, who are these uh, Edomite nations that surround Jerusalem, that love blood, that have a controversy over God, that are saying that their God is God, that is uh, blaspheming the God of Israel, that God is now going to take them. And since they love blood, blood is gonna pursue them. Thus I will make Mount Seir most desolate, I'll make most, most desolate from him that passes out and him that returns. And I will fill his mountains with his slain men. So, so he's filling the mountains of Israel with slain men. And God is saying, no, I'm going to fill your mountains with slain men in your hills and in your valleys. In, in your hills and in your, in your valleys, he says. And in your, all your rivers shall they fall that are slain with the sword. And this is exactly what we see, in fact, in, um, in Revelation, that the understanding that the saints have, he says, this is the patience of the saints. What is the patience of the saints? The understanding that he that lives by the sword must die by the sword. And so it is this understanding of the prophetic word that these curses that have come upon God's people, it's just for a little while. And then God is going to redeem his people and take all these curses and put them back on their enemies. So those that live by the sword, they will die by the sword. And so the saints are able to have this patience because we're able to look at everything through the lens of God's word and the lens of the faithfulness of God to his word. He says, I will make you perpetual desolations. Exactly what Malachi says. They'll try to rebuild, but God says no. You'll be known as the border of wickedness forever. I will make you perpetual desolations, and your city shall not return. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So there's a controversy. You don't know. You're claiming someone else is God. But you will know that Yahweh is the Lord. Because you have said, These two nations and these two countries shall be mine. That is Israel and Judah. And we will possess it. It's ours. Whereas the Lord was there. He didn't realize the Lord was there. The Lord was allowing this. We know from Habakkuk that God is uh, raising up the Chaldeans and allowing them to do their work. It's God's strange work, but it's only for a window. And then God is going to reverse it. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord, I will even do according to your anger. So these are angry people. And according to your envy. ah, they're full of envy. They hate Judah because of Judah's heritage with God. And there's envy there. And they want to claim that they have this heritage. So these are are angry people and they're envious people which have used out of your hatred against them. Which you have used out of your hatred against them. So these are people full of hatred. That if you subscribe to their ideology, you immediately become a hater that when you study their scriptures, you hate, and you hate Judah specifically. And I will make myself known among them when I have judged you. And you shall know that I am the Lord. God keeps repeating this, there's real controversy. And we're saying to Zion, your God reigns. And God is saying to Edom, the Edomites, you will know that I am the Lord. And that I have heard all your blasphemies, which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel very specific piece of real estate that God is concerned about saying they are laid desolate they are given us to destroy so God has stopped protecting them hey we can go in and destroy thus with your mouth you have multiplied your you have boasted against me and have multiplied your words against me I have heard them thus says the Lord God when the whole earth rejoices I will make you desolate so the whole whole earth has gone after them who can make war with them? They're just in such power, everyone agrees with them, and they're all rejoicing with them. And God says, in that moment, I'm going to make you, when you're at the pinnacle of your glory, I'm going to make you desolate. This is, God is so specific. He says he's the only one that can do this. He can declare the future from ancient times, telling us what's going to happen. As you did rejoice at the inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so will I do unto you, you shall be desolate." And they don't realize that Israel is the Lord's inheritance. And so Israel is the apple of God's eye. When they are destroying Israel like this, they're destroying the Lord's heritage, his inheritance. And so you did rejoice at the inheritance of the house of Israel because it was desolate. And We see that already. There's such a joy whenever uh, there is a terrorist attack and Jews are, are slaughtered. So will I do unto you; you shall be desolate, O Mount Seir, and all Idumea even all of it. So all of all of uh, Edom, and Edom, Edom being Esau, and even you know the way Ephraim is really a stand-in for all of uh, all of Israel. Uh, Edom is really a stand-in for all of uh, uh, Ishmael, the Ishmaelites, and because Edom married into Ishmael, so that whole. Um, really the, all these Muslim nations that surround are, are, are considered Edom. But we can see the, specifically the kingdom of Edom and all these neighbors that hate Israel and are full of envy, hatred, and anger toward her. God says, they shall know that I am the Lord. So let's now in that context go back to Isaiah. And this is the context, this, this controversy over the mountains of Israel. This is what sets up the context for this verse how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings the gospel this good news is so necessary because of the catastrophe the catastrophic warfare that these mountains of israel have been subjected to how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings the gospel that publishes peace that brings good tidings of good and publishes salvation and says unto Zion, Your God reigns. And the enemies will know that Yahweh is God. And again, this passage is quoted again by Paul in Romans 10. He says, How then shall they call on him in whom they haven't believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? So, so the only way to have a true preacher is someone who's actually sent. Because this, this requires courage. This requires a, a work ethic to be digging in and, and really understanding so that we can preach the truth. So how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, and now he quotes Isaiah, but he pluralizes it. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. So this again shows that the prophecies concerning the suffering servant are now being fulfilled and continued in the body of Christ, in his church. And it's really that whole you know, volume one of and volume two of Luke, where the gospel according to Luke is volume one and we see the work of the Messiah, and then volume two is the book of Acts, where we see the work of the Messiah except this time it's through the Holy Spirit in his body. And so the church is the body of Christ. And so this clearly, again, we were asking before, is the Christian church prophesied? Here we see the Christian church is the embodiment of the suffering servant. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings or good, good news of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So Isaiah is saying, <laughs> they don't believe. We have a report and they don't believe. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So again, this is why we have to get the word of God right. We have to preach the word of God. We need to be going to the house of Jacob, going to the house of Judah, telling them of their foolishness, showing them the truth, showing them the prophecies so that they can hear the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? yes verily their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the end of the world but I say did not Israel know first Moses says I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people and by a foolish nation will I anger you so God is trying to provoke his people they will not listen so he's now bringing the Gentiles into the church giving the Gentiles the truth Gentiles are now going to the Jewish people, going to Israel and saying, this is the truth, and it's to provoke them to jealousy. But Isaiah is very bold, Paul says, and says, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest to them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I've stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. So these people, God has tried to work with them, tried to work with them, but they're foolish, they're deaf, they're, they're blind, and yet the Gentiles come into the church. And, and they were not looking for God the way, the way God is looking for Israel. And so now with the Gentiles coming into the church, their purpose is to provoke Israel. So God has not forsaken Israel. Back to Isaiah. Your watchman shall lift up the voice The voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. So God has not forgotten Zion. He'll see. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. What a contrast. It's going to be horrific, and then it's going to be beautiful. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted His people. He will comfort His people he has redeemed Jerusalem. This is God's focus and this has to be our focus. We can't be so caught up in our our daily lives. David says, may my right hand forget her skill and my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I forget Jerusalem. And so we have to get our focus in the right place and that is where God's focus is and his focus is on the redemption of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And uh, my wife was showing me in one of the commentaries, but when one bears his arm, it's to roll up a long sleeve garment to get ready for work. And certainly God is going to do a great work here in front of these nations. These nations that are vicious, these nations that are rebellious, these nations that are blaspheming, he's going to do he's going to bear his holy night he's Zechariah 12 he's coming to fight and subjugate these nations and put them in their place and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God now that sounds like it could be a positive thing like oh wow a uh, joy to the world the Lord has come let earth receive her king nonsense nonsense it's not joy to the world John John tells us in Revelation 1 I believe it's verse 7 that the jews are going to acknowledge christ but the nations are going to wail because of him it is bad bad news for the nations because all the nations have gathered together to fight against jerusalem so when god comes to redeem jerusalem zechariah 12 he's going to fight against all these nations and so all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of god that's not going to be pretty so the gospel is good news for God's people. It's bad news for everybody else. And when they see the salvation of God, when he makes bare his holy arm, it's to fight. Here in Zechariah 12, he says, verse three, and in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. It's gonna be a burden for them. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. This is what the arm of the Lord is going to do, cut them in pieces though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. So even though all the people of the earth think that they can destroy Jerusalem, they cannot. God has promised he will not make a full end of Jerusalem. And so he's going to bear his holy arm and he's going to destroy these nations. And they're going to see the salvation of Jerusalem. They're going to see the salvation of God's people. Just wrap up here in Isaiah 52. He says, Depart you, depart you, go you out from here so again a sense of urgency get out of here touch no unclean thing go you out of the midst of her be you clean that bear the vessels of the lord and this is a, just an echo of isaiah 48 go you forth of babylon flee from the chaldeans so it's not just a generic babylon it's specific the chaldeans with a voice of singing declare you tell this utter it even to the end of the earth say you the lord has redeemed his servant jacob so get out of babylon god has redeemed jacob and and it's also reminiscent of isaiah uh, sorry revelation things 18:4 uh, come out of her my people he says for you shall not go out with haste so come out of her my people but he says, you're not gonna go out in haste. It's not, it's not, it's not a desperate leaving. For you shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you. This is the second Exodus. God is coming to gather his people from the four corners of the earth. And he's telling them here, you're not gonna to have to flee in haste. The Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your re-reward. So so that's sort of the, you'll be in the front and he's also gonna be gathering them from the back. And we'll just end with this verse here. in Isaiah 28, verse 14. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death. Now, I wonder who do we know What peoples have made a covenant with death? Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. So, So who is it that loves death, that is driving as many people as possible into the grave, that themselves are looking forward to being slaughtered? When the overflowing scourge shall pass through it, It shall not come unto us for we have made lies our refuge now again who is it that loves death which people have made lies their refuge and under falsehood have we hid ourselves Hmm. who hides themselves under lies therefore thus says the Lord the Lord God behold I lay in Zion I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone a tried stone a precious cornerstone and Christ himself quoted this when he was on earth to say the, the stone that the builders refused has become the head of the corner which he was quoting Psalms but here it is in Isaiah I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believes shall not make haste. So the Jews that come to believe in this precious cornerstone, they will not have to make haste. God is going to gather them, lead them out in a very orderly way, and this is the future. So it's a future that's gonna get very, very dark, but then it's gonna be very, very bright in Jerusalem forever. And God has called the the Christian church today to understand all of this, to proclaim all of this, and ultimately to oversee all of this as as assistance. We are this first fruits harvest to assist him in this fall harvest, which is gonna be a really massive operation. But as we dig into Isaiah, we understand it more. I'm going to finish here. I'll begin in verse 13 of Isaiah 52 next week, because it's really part of really the chapter break should be here. And so next week, God willing, we are really going to get into this suffering servant, one of these servant songs of Isaiah, where it is undeniably speaking of Jesus Christ. But I think many times when we as Christians read it, we read it in a Passover context. But as we've been reading it in the context of Isaiah, we should also be thinking of it in an atonement context. That this is how God will will bring Judah and Israel to be at one with him through this suffering servant. So uh, God bless, what a mighty God we serve. We need to proclaim to Judah and to Jacob that your God reigns and to drive them and to invite them to repentance and to a relationship with the true God.